Welcome to the Story Forward podcast. We are your hosts here, of course, always to move the story forward. I am Larry Rosen. And is, uh, I'm going to let you speak for yourself there. And tell yeah. Us I'm, I'm trying, we, like you said, in one of our last episodes, we get the timing off a little bit on this yeah, Zoom thing. But am. I am Christian Wynn. The Zoom is always screwed with our timing and will continue to screw with our timing until a better day when we can be in the same studio once again. Uh, he is Christian Wynn, of course, the co-founder and director of the Story Fort, which is coming up. Very soon. It will be coming up. I believe this episode will go live before Story Fort. So yeah, no March time. 23rd. March 23rd, 2022. Yes, very, very soon. Very soon. So as we wind down our season of stories from the world of music, we realized there was one area that we hadn't delved into yet the cover band. So yeah. we found someone who leads not just one cover band, or is it one cover band and then sort of offshoots? I don't know, he's created a life for himself out of cover bands. Uh, but there's another element to this particular guest that I'm gonna let my co-host tell you about. Yes, Bart Haithman, the founder, I suppose, of this hit machine, which is like, this like hit, there's a metal machine, there's a lot of machines involved. There's, what are the machines? I like the idea that he's, his deal is like, I'm a machine that you put money into and music that you like comes out. He's yeah. sort of like a jukebox in that way, but he's not calling himself a jukebox. Dance machine and a metal machine. But I think when I brought up the other machines, he's like, eh, there's really only a machine. Right, and he is my cousin. So he, I grew up with Bart Haithman and uh, he is awesome. And we have some stories about doing some lip syncing back in the day together. And it was pretty clear from the get-go. He was an entertainer. He could do the moonwalk a little better than me. I was jealous. But he, this was, you know, some time ago. But uh, anyway, yeah, we get into some of our family history together with, you know, I don't know, just some stories around the music. And wandering Sun River with your pieces of cardboard looking for places to <laughs> I don't think he was ever about the floor work. I was more no. about the floor work. But he, he could definitely do... He could do the pop and locking pretty well, you know. But we, he also enjoyed like he gave us a whole litany. You'll listen on and you'll hear. He has a he has a pretty wide breadth of uh, musical taste. He loves music, yeah. yeah. He really loves music, um, and he's really an entertainer. I, that was what I sort of took away from talking to him is that the first light that went on for him was he wanted to entertain, and the second light was music. Yep. So that it sort of makes sense when you see that he ended up making his living playing cover songs. So before we get into him though, um, you know, I was just thinking, cause we had said, oh, we're gonna talk about cover bands. Um, we, when, you, we, when we started to record this, I started to think about cover bands. Cause we said, oh, we're gonna talk a little bit about cover bands before we throw it over to Bart. And honestly, the first thing that I thought of was like, when we were young, we, and I'm gonna speak for you too, and I think I'm right, dismissed cover bands. Well, yeah, most of them were like coming into, yeah, definitely. Cover bands I mean, were like, like those people that went to those cheesy bars, there was a cover band playing. Right. I've since kind of done a 180 on cover bands. I kind of love cover bands. Yeah, I, I don't get to see them. It doesn't, well, it doesn't seem that they're quite, at least where I live, they're not around that much. We can go see shows at times where they, you know, bands will play, of course, single covers or kind of maybe more than yeah, that. Yeah, that's nice but, to see a cover, but not like if you go to like Key West and you can go from bar to bar and there's people playing cover music. 
Yes, which is not quite, I don't think that's quite in the zeitgeist these days um, as much, at least maybe it's me. I don't know. I don't know. It kind of depends. Where I live, I like to joke that you could go out seven nights a week and see some guy with an acoustic guitar playing cover music. I mean, okay. sometimes, you know, we went, last week we were out and the guy was playing Towns Van Zant covers. It's like, that's fantastic. Okay. But often it will be, uh, there's one guy, oh man, you got to see him. First I saw him and I thought, this guy's <laughs> awful. And then I saw him and I'm like, no, actually he's fantastic. He's got the keyboard, he's got mm -hmm. the Panama hat, he's probably in his 60s and he plays blocks. So like, here's my Billy Joel covers. Here's my Willie oh. Nelson covers. And then in between he says, how you doing tonight? You guys from around here? <laughs> he really does that. I mean, but you, see, you live in a pretty small town, so they, I do. There's not that many people who aren't from around me. Or is that part of his? That's I mean, part of his yeah. shtick. He he and he sung back up for the Carpenters in the '60s or '70s. That's his whole. You'll hear it every time, and it's kind of fantastic. And it it sort of is germane to this conversation with Bart because this guy gets what Bart gets. That your job is to entertain. Yeah. You know? And I know, and I just kind of thinking about it right now. I, I hadn't really brought this to the conversation, and Bart had met my uncle Joe, who was a music, lifelong musician, and he was like a lounge act back in the day. You know, he died a few years ago in his mid seventies, late seventies or so, and he really was like—I mean, it was like the torch singer, and he was the the piano. He was the piano man, right? So he, <laughs> um, but I don't, you know, but he would play covers. I mean, that was what you do. I don't think he had many originals, and that was like entertainment back in the '60s and '70s when he was touring and doing that. So, well, you know, if you if you look back, I'm I'm in a, I, I've read a lot about old country music, and the history mm -hmm. of country music is, you know, there was a guy who'd write a song, and he'd sell it to one singer, and then mm -hmm. like half a dozen other people would cover it, and each of the versions would chart. So, I mean, maybe we, we used to draw a very distinct line between cover singers and people who play originals. And maybe that line isn't as, as distinct as we thought it was. Right. And it's, as both of us, uh, as writers, too, I mean, that's not something you can do. You know, you can't. I don't know. I'm going to read some Raymond Carver songs at my next reading. So, <laughs> Raymond Carver, <laughs> short <laughs> stories, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> I had my, my one of my best friends in high school once at our, our talent show. They were short. They needed someone to do an act. So he went up and did Stephen Wright's entire act. Oh, that, that's pretty cool that he knew it. Yeah. He came in second, but he was doing covers. <laughs> he was a cover comedian. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if Stephen Wright knew, he might not be happy about it. Those probably comedians, not. Probably comedians. might be religious about it. But Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, what has been, I mean, besides your guy with the Panama hat, Back in the day, was there anybody you liked as a cover band that did stuff? Well, if like you remember, when, even in our 20s, and this wasn't our circuit so much. It was more the circuit of like people with regular jobs and stuff who didn't make any sense to us. But there would be, there was a band, I think it was San Francisco, not Seattle, called Super Diamond. Oh, yeah. All Neil Diamond songs, and people lost it for Super that is, Diamond. I can see they'd go, they'd hear songs they like played live. And they could sing along to and, and kind of do their thing. That's still a thing. Every once in a while, I don't know, I'm somewhere and I, I, even on the jukebox, you know, it comes on and it's like, uh huh. And they, that's, I guess, the phenomenon of the cover band may have been birthed before the jukebox. So you, can, you know, then well, probably, people, yeah. Oh, of course, they must have, yeah. Sure. If you walked into a honky tonk somewhere, you're not going to hear someone playing originals. You're going to hear them playing Hank Williams songs. Yeah. So did the, maybe the jukebox killed the the pop the uh, the cover band, you know? So. 
but then you know there's but we know we don't get into this with bart because he is a hit machine but there's a difference is there a difference between a cover band and a tribute band because you oh, know yeah. the band only plays one band's music there's like hell's bells which yeah they they're a bunch of ladies who play b-e-l-l-e-s hell's yeah. bells they play only acdc songs and elvez elvez yeah elvis yeah i mean there's some of my friend, our friend, Phil Bodie, back in the day, he apparently, of course, he had like been to some Smiths cover band sort of show. Like, yeah, and we went to a show in Boise, Idaho, you know, that we referenced, I think, where it was a, kind of a one-off cover band where it was thrown together for a practice New Year's Eve party, which is actually a party for Radio Boise. Um, but they were playing B-52s all night long. Their first, they played the entirety of the B-52's first album, and then they played Own Private Idaho, which as a visitor, mm. really nice moment for me. It was a great moment. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so as we get older, you know, and as we get a little less judgmental, I think cover bands are kind of awesome, actually. I, I see them all the time here, or cover people. Mm. Um, I, I would say what I'll give one shout out to a band called the Dudley Man Love Quartet. I've heard of them. They were from Seattle and we would go, we became kind of, this is going to be, you know, another episode or was another episode the, of the super fan. We would follow them to bar to bar and they would, and they would sh like stick it up. You know, they would do the uh -huh. whole, it was kind of in that era, like swingers came out and the people were wearing uh -huh. suits and, but they were in the lounge stuff kind of came back, but they would, and there were several bands that did this, like sing, like, perform smells like teen spirit like in a swing lounge oh, yeah, style, yeah. that kind of stuff so we yeah. we enjoyed that for a while because it was funny and it was also fun and it was a party for sure that's when there wasn't social distance there was ironic distance <laughs> that's there there we go that's a good way to put it maybe we should get into the episode on that there yeah let's know. do that let's throw it to bart bart take it away bart hafman welcome to the story forward podcast uh we have been trying to nail you down all season uh and in fact before I, you know bart and christian have a pretty strong connection that i'll get into in a second but before we get into that um not only have we been trying to nail you personally down but before even that happened we were trying to figure out we wanted someone who is in a band that plays covers now i don't know yeah. how much christian filled you in on what we're doing this season it's all stories from the world of music we've had yeah. all different kinds of of players and by that i mean not just musicians but also journalists promoters record label owners that sort of stuff uh producer yeah. i said we got to get someone who plays in a cover band because that's a completely different experience than playing yeah. originals um and i'm sure and i know with you being in a cover band is only part of what you do musically but it's a big part of what you do musically and it sort of sets a different sort of world up for you so we're going to yeah. talk a lot about that today but before we do that i want you guys to tell us about your special, oh, special connection, cousin-ish yeah. bond. So yeah, Bart is family, and we were just talking about this. I guess it, we're not blood relatives, and we never really thought about that much growing up. But our our mothers were best friends from way back in the day, and I've always known his mom is Aunt Judy, and my mom's always been Aunt Kay to he and his sister. And yeah, so we have a lot of, of memories that uh, go way back to basically our earliest days on this planet and do those memories at any point include moonwalking you know yeah. weird that you mentioned it i was gonna say so we did all sorts of stuff and uh, i have always enjoyed 
my time with Bart and his sister Crystal, but Bart um, and I and my sister had kind of we paddled around quite a bit back in over really through high school and and a little bit at times into college years and a little bit in adult life. But most of our memory, my memories, or at least of our, of our kind of up through high school days, when some great stuff. And one of the things, Bart, we can. I'll have you let you talk about this in a second, but we would go to a place called Sun River in Central Oregon and vacation there. Um, yeah. And Bart is actually hailing from Oregon along with Larry today too. He's in Scappoose, Oregon, up in the Portland area. But uh, what's that? It's weirdly sunny in Scappoose just now. Bart was walking outside. Oh well, blue skies. <laughs> But it's almost snowing earlier today, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind yeah. of how it's been here too. But yeah, so we would they, we entered together, Bart and I. Uh, and I know Bart's always been a musical person on many levels he can tell us about. But I remember very well we would go to Sun River, and it was kind of a there was like a teen dance type thing that always happened there that we were would go hang out at at the grand or the the great lodge or whatever they called that and there was a stage and there was some they had a, like a lip syncing contest that i think we won but we played well as far as i remember there was definitely michael jackson involved but i thought we did like the clash as well should i stay or should i go yeah. and uh, yeah i mean that was amazing at that time. It was so fun. We won, and Bart was a real musician, and I was—I didn't really pursue the music too much. Though I had at times dabbled in some uh, in some uh, some rapping. I had you know some rhyming going on there in high school because I was a break dancer, believe it or not, back in the day, and did some things. I could moonwalk, but not as quite as well as Bart. But uh, Bart, you remember how? How do you remember all that time? And then I was thinking it'd be cool to get kind of your journey from there um to where you are now and how you made this life in music on so many levels like larry was talking about playing you know other people's songs but also your own and just kind of how that works and from the time you were say 18 until you're now 50 ish yeah so yeah man it's like where to start but that uh those sun river little performances were like really um you know, forming in a lot of that. It gave me a, it gave me a real taste of performing, which um, there was a lot of people stuffed into that uh, great hall area. And um, just to hear the cheering and all that kind of stuff and feel the energy from the crowd and, and all that just made a real big difference. And, and even the setup, us rehearsing that stuff, coming up (laughs) and watching that become successful and people like it. Um, if I could rewind a little bit, I mean, I can remember as early as like six and seven having like, um, a little, uh, um, like a Mr. Microphone Ooh. and sing to like the Bay City Rollers I loved back then. And so I'd sing in that little Mr. Microphone and I became obsessed with Kiss somewhere along the line and, and the drummer from Kiss, especially because he would like go up on the, that, uh, that elevated truck lift and yeah remember i was trying to talk my parents had to get me bunk beds in my room mainly because i wanted to put the drum set up on the top bunk <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I, you know what's gonna fit <laughs> i just you knew i wanted to get off the ground and i wanted it uh you know to be elevated did you go full kiss army with the makeup and everything at the time was that yeah. part of it? so it's part of it too almost everything yeah. 
I, I was doing that. I was infatuated with, I don't know how, you know, Kiss and the Basie Rollers, I mean, they're both <laughs> different, different types of things, but they were kind of both huge ones back then. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just kind of a sucker for a good song. I remember when, um, oh, it was Robert John. It was a song called Sad Eyes came out and I heard his like really high falsetto at the end. And I was like, is there a different singer singing now? Mm-hmm. I got obsessed with like, like the high male vocal. And then Prince came out with uh, the song, I Want to Be Your Lover. And that was on American Bandstand. And I heard that and it was, you know, it, it, completely different than Kiss, but still um, great tunes, great performers. And, um, and I just, yeah, I started picking up instruments and learned how to play all the like main band instruments and, and was writing my own music and my own songs and loving it and experiencing some local success in, in, in a small town. And people recognized, you know, it for what it was. And when I got outside of these walls, I realized how difficult it was to make um, a living, an actual real living that you could live off of in original music. And it seemed to be either you couldn't do that or you, <laughs> you know, assigned to a major label and you'd be popular if you're lucky for a couple of years and then you're done. Some people hang on forever. And even when you're there for a couple of years, sometimes you lose a lot of control over your music and the way it is recorded and the way it's produced and how they present you as an artist. And once I started having kids, I was like, man, I can either put my musical, um, gifts to use and make money somehow mm. in a cubicle <laughs> and well, i tried i tried the cubicle i tried working for a record label which i thought would be the best cubicle job i could ever have because it was still in music and i still didn't like that i couldn't leave for lunch when i wanted to i didn't have this spontaneity in my life that i felt like um it's pretty much gonna die if it wasn't there yeah <laughs> And so I'd never really performed cover tunes other than like people's weddings when they asked me to perform, um, you know, particular, um, learn the song for our wedding. But my concerts were trying to be, you know, more original music. And so um, I remember getting my first real uh, corporate job and they wanted covers and Mm -hmm. I learned like a U2 song. I learned, I don't know. I learned like maybe five covers. Mm-hmm. How did your, how did your band take to that at the time? I think it was a weird shift for them. You know, all of a sudden we're doing, uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And we're outside at the, I think it was the Portland um, World Trade Center downtown for some outdoor event during the summer but it was a big crowd. And I looked at the size of the crowd and I was like, this is a good gig to have. This is way better than the other gigs I'm getting. And I'm doing some people's covers tunes and, um, and the response was great. And we ended up getting booked more and more for that kind of thing. And I remember making this conscious uh, shift in my mind and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna do the cover band thing I'm going to pursue it like, I mean, Kiss wasn't the best band, but 
they were the most exciting I felt, at least at the time. They offered something different. Their attitude towards it um, was, you know, if we're going to be the greatest rock and roll band, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look it and we're going to um, uh, present it that way. And, and so when I came up with the name Hit Machine, we actually all wore outfits, not like Kiss outfits, but like Kiss did. And so I became like this dreaded dreads long black dreads and uh leopard skin cowboy hat kind of looked like rick james a little bit (laughs) (laughs) you know with these really low cut uh t-shirts with you know just hanging out and just like completely it was a cross between steven tyler and rick james and so and the energy was that too and my name my stage name was tyrone t-bone washington (laughs) (laughs) What's interesting to me is that the way you describe your introduction to being a musician starts with being a performer. You know, you were interested in performing. It seems to me like you, you seem like one of those guys who, if you're in the audience, you're thinking, man, I wish I was up there on the stage. Yeah. So, so that sort of thing would speak to you like, wow, this I'm getting more juice out of this because there's a ton of people in the audience and, yeah. and they're all listening to me. So did you manage to keep the band throughout this transition? Ah, uh, you know, the band has fluctuated throughout the years. The drummer I kept for a long time, I'd say for, for probably 14 of the years. Um, I kept him and the guitar player for about 12. And so a couple of the guys were able to make the switch with me. Uh, the bass player, not. I ended up getting another bass player. And then uh, eventually I ended up adding more players to the mix. Now Hit Machine is like, a seven piece band mm-hmm. and it consists of like an old school rapper dj guy from um who has several cameos his name is doc rock he's from portland and uh his aa online is willie dynamite <laughs> and he's awesome he's just completely cool and and is it a different thing so how is the experience of playing cover music different from the experience of playing performing original music i think the connection can be quicker with the crowd if you're really good at it if you're doing a bad cover there's not a lot of forgiveness there i feel (laughs) but if you're doing the cover justice it's really unifying because um those people already know the song they love the. they've got a big smile on their face and you're bringing it to life in front of their face with an energy that's a hit machine's known for over the top energy and it's with an energy that they just um they're not going to get from the real performer chances are because they're not going to be that close to them (laughs) and i can yeah confirm that energy too i've seen bart play many times after that uh, lip sync contest and just not too many years ago I just remember you playing some Bruno Mars at Sun River. Once again, a return to a place we were many years ago, but it was actually for the public and just the crowd singing along. Whatever song that is, Uptown Jam, or that, <laughs> not a big Bruno Down Mars guy. Okay, yeah. that's that one. And I remember that just you dancing and just going crazy and everybody doing the same thing in the crowd. So there was a lot of energy. It was fun to, to see. Among other songs, you did well that day, but yeah. And, yeah. and somewhere along the line, you made this the way you make your living. Because are, are you in all the other bands too, or, or are you managing these other bands? Hit Machine, 
uh, metal machine, dance machine, sound. Um, That's what's on your website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, metal machine, I am the singer for. We don't do it too often. It's almost like an alter ego. Um, we do songs from metal machine. It's basically 80s metal inside of hit machine, but only like one or two a night. Okay. Um, to add spice to it. But we realized, you know, man, I come from that. 80s hairband era and there's a lot of people who like this <laughs> when the need comes up like Vince Neil came to um one of the casinos a singer from Motley Crue and we um I think he's he's like a lot older than I am now he wanted to play early so he went on first and then after that show was done we went on after him for like an hour and a half and um we played like the best of uh, you know, Rad, uh, Motley Crue, Halen. We played an autograph song. We played ACDC. Yeah, and I remember really well, actually, also one of my favorite things to do when we were hanging out back in the day, you guys had cable. We did not have cable. And we watched yeah. a lot, a ton of MTV when it was first coming out. Yeah. And how much, I'd be curious, like, you know, that obviously influenced a lot of artists, but yeah, maybe that showmanship or just sort of the put together videos and the hair bands and all what they brought to MTV. How much do you think that influenced you at that young age? And then you were just out of junior high or early high school, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Big time, big time. Um, I would say um, I still see the videos in my head when I'm performing some of that music, it was that influential on me. It, um back then they had like saturday night concerts they would show on tv um they were like they would repeat them over and over and over again so i'd get to see that live dynamic and feel it and see how they interacted with the crowd and i noticed some people were, were really good at that some national artists were actually really bad at that some repeated the same thing over and over again in between all the songs and it was like is nobody telling you that you're, you know, who's your handler? Who's, who's helping you with it? And some people were just like masterful with it and maybe didn't even have the most musical talent, but they just knew how to work a crowd. And so I just tried to take the best from everybody. You know, I was like a sponge and just soaking it up. And I wasn't even... I laugh at my career now because my, my career is actually being in front of people and communicating with them constantly. And the more for me, because I just feed off that energy, but I did, I didn't even like giving a report in classroom when I was young, I would like avoid it. I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to stand in front of people. I paper and I just, I don't know. I think, my takeaway from that was years later, I was like, I didn't like the feeling of talking in front of my peers about something I knew very little about. I'd spent an hour on this subject in an encyclopedia and with a book at the library. And I felt I really didn't know what I was talking about. And I didn't like being forced in that position. Um, it wasn't the fact that I didn't like being in front of people, I don't think. I think I just wanted to be to communicate something I was passionate about mm -hmm. and something that I really had spent a lot of hours pursuing. And I really had 
like information to deliver to that was like useful yeah and i mean for sure i mean knowing the early days you know back in um, the original story of us doing the lip syncing i mean it was like you definitely that came to life in a whole new way just being up on stage and rehearsing to be up on stage so it's clear that that was like a life calling or a talent that was kind of unleashed um once you started doing it so yeah, I think that that's pretty cool. And, and you kind of have, have to do that. And I don't know, Larry, for you, what yeah. do you think, like, um, what are some great like, band, like bands that you like or admire for their performance value and see if Bart is on the same page, maybe? Well, so, you know, Bart, one of my favorite debates is who's the best front man in the history of rock and roll. Oh, yeah. And we all know it's Freddie Mercury, but... <laughs> building, off, building off something you just said you know one of the best front men in the history of rock and roll is david lee roth and he's nowhere near the most talented front man in the history of rock and roll You're right as a singer but he's very talented as a showman um now we've and we've talked a lot about showmanship and your comfort with that and how important that is to you there's something else i'm interested in too um in a cover band versus someone who's doing originals how much higher of a level of professionalism is expected from you? You know, like people that do originals, you hear all kinds of stories, you know, the replacements being famous for being the most unreliable band in the history of rock and roll. But I would imagine someone who's in a cover band, reliability is probably one of the most important things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Consistency, reliability, um, uh, always to um, a show that's positive, that makes people feel good. Um, because I'm being hired by like uh, Nike, Intel, Sony, all these corporations, um, Columbia Sportswear just hired us, um, what's that, Hood to Coast, um, those big things out on the beach. I mean, they're big, they're big deals. Rose Festival in town here, uh, we just got hired for that. And, you know, you've got two, basically two, two, two to two and a half hours to make your impression mm-hmm. and whatever you make is also made upon the person who hired you <laughs> but doesn't that impression start well before that too yeah yep it yeah. really it's um it's just uh you know over the years i think i've been doing this 21 years now in hit machine and um and it's just uh you know set up times getting there having great sound uh, making sure that um, we've talked about all the specifics as, as far as power is concerned because the power has got to be able to handle the PA system and not be shutting mm-hmm. off on to, you know, because we're too powerful for the power. Right. And I would think that also like a big skill set would have to be like reading the room and like being able to be flexible with your sets and, you know, sort of understand, well, you, they didn't really like that led zeppelin cover we played so let's go for <laughs> i don't know the uh the rolling stones or um, yeah. whatever you choose but yeah maybe you have a good example of when you've had to kind of shift mainstream like midstream rather to to kind of be like oh this has gone a little bit sideways and now we got to get this crowd back kind of thing i do that all the time that's one thing people have to accept when they're in hit machine is there's not a song set list mm. I tell them what the first song is and halfway through this first song, I'm, I use a lot of psychology in what I say to the crowd and also in witnessing the crowd. And I look for people who are influenced in the crowd. And there's 
positive influencers and there's negative influencers. And some of those people, if you choose the wrong influencer and they don't like your band, then you've catered to a person who's going to create mutiny <laughs> for you. <laughs> oh, that's a choice. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really bad choice. But you try to find somebody who's an influencer in the crowd who's totally into what you're doing, then you've won. And um, then they help you. They help you get everything going. And, um, but I've got uh, hand signals similar to like uh, a catcher would have for a pitcher. And I turn around and I look at my drummer throughout the set um, and I'll either, I'll like point up or I'll go like this or I'll do something that, you know, makes some certain dance move. Like I've got a dance move I do when I want to play Staying Alive. Um, I do, I back at the drummer and I go like that when I want to do Blurred Lines next. <laughs> He did well. What did he? He just did like a V motion across his face for the listener. Right. So yeah. we're only audio. They'll look at me and they'll be like, "What?" You know the new, <laughs> or like a new drummer. I'll look at him and I'll, I'll turn around. And I'll go like that, and that means I want to play Kiss. Mm-hmm. And they'll look, yeah, so. <laughs> so it's like, what are you doing, man? What's so going on here? They didn't tell me everything about this gig. All right. We have it. a couple more minutes left. And um, gosh, I, I have at least 45 minutes more worth of questions to ask you about. You know, yeah. Crossland, I know you're, you're a youth pastor as well, is it? A music pastor. Music pastor. I know there's got to be a lot of skill overlap and aptitude overlap and reading the crowd overlap. That's interesting. I know yeah. you do a lot of, you're still making original music. I have a lot of questions about how one feeds the other, but since we only have a couple minutes left, what's been kind of gnawing at me is, do you get to play the music you like? Yeah, like tomorrow we're, um, uh, I've recorded a song called February 26th, kind of like a, it's kind of like a shout out to like Prince style. Mm -hmm. Um, Chord player actually played with Prince. Uh, His name is Christopher Turner. He's fabulous, my bass player, is Snoop Dogg's uncle. <laughs> so nice. it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird collection of guys. And we're shooting a music video for it uh, tomorrow night. And it's going to be super cool. And we do, we, tr- we do try to insert whatever original song that we're um, currently promoting um, into, uh, into our sets, you know? And so it feels like we do still get to have some musical freedom and do some um, creativity and artistic. Uh, uh, it, hel- it hits us on an artistic realm, I guess, you know, mm. where the songs night after night playing the same covers, you know, I still love them. And when I'm tired of them, I drop them and I add another one that I love. So, yeah. well, it's funny. I wonder if for, for, for bands that last too long, like the Rolling Stones, if yeah. they basically end up being a cover band of themselves. Right, right, yeah. right. I um, think we, we've reached the point where people actually, there's a whole younger generation that thinks we're the original artist who plays those songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'll get things from moms. They're like, yeah, I was taking my kid to school today and pour some sugar came on. And they said, oh, mom, it's Hit Machine. And we're like, oh my gosh, the kids think those, those are our songs, you know? So it's really funny. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, now that I remember it, you, you handle all the business aspects too as well, right? Yeah. So this is, it's just, you're 
you're a you are a one man rock and roll machine. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a big reason behind Hit Machine. Um, is it's just it's kind of relentless, and I kind of don't stop. And um, there's a lot of bands who have been good around here that might last three, four, five years, but it takes a certain tenacity to keep looking at the mountain in front of you and keep on going, okay, that's the mountain decline. Like COVID, there's so many bands that are gone because of COVID in town, like even cover bands. And it was another mountain for me. I was like, yeah, people are gonna expect it's gonna go away, but no, it's not. It. Yeah, no, that's one thing also known about you over the years, you're, you know, enthusiastic and tenacious and somebody you know that has made this life something that you definitely don't want to give up you do a lot of recording for other bands too we can talk about on on the side too and just like you you've done a lot of your own work on your studio sounds like during the covid months yeah. and years now um but years. we i don't know we love having you on today and this idea gave us some really great insight the idea of having you know what it's like to play other people's music and also have Bart also has a lot of his own great stuff that you can find on his website. So why don't you tell us where to find your stuff real quick and then we'll, uh, we'll log off and see you soon. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. You can um, go on. I think the main places are probably like Spotify, um, Apple iTunes and just go underneath hit machine. We release, I try to release singles now. So I just put a lot of effort into a single and it's about every four or five months, we'll release another single. It was a Christmas tune. It was actually a Christmas tune and a New Year's Eve tune that we released. And now we're releasing um, February 26th. Those are three in a short amount of time. But um, you can find videos on YouTube. Um, and you can go to the website, hitmachineband.com. And um, you can find links to all that there. So, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get some uh, get some info from you to put up on our our socials and our website for this podcast and for some of our other story fort stuff and things around the tree fort music fest to let people know like where you're going to be when. So I'll I'll hit you up and we'll get those details well, for you to put in. And I've checked the website. There's a pretty good chance you're going to find Bart playing music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a there's a lot of gigs coming up and. Um, and it's just, uh, we just keep moving forward. In fact, I'm doing the final mix for uh, February 26th tonight. I was listening to rough mixes in my car today and I'm making notes and I'm like, I'm going to fine tune those things and make the final bounce and and we'll be doing the music video tomorrow. So, Well, sweet. Well, thanks so much for coming on and just I'll be in touch soon and hope to see you um, over in Scappoose or the Portland area. Maybe, maybe they'll play a show in your town, Larry. <laughs> It's not too far away. We only we only book single men with acoustic guitars in our town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can change that dynamic. Yeah. I, everyone jokes about me like that's the guy who wishes there were drums. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we'll um, discuss it all. But Bart, thanks so much, and we'll just uh, see you soon, my friend. Thank my you cousin, guys. my yes, family for sure. Say hi to your family for me. Will do. You too. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Take care. So good session with Bart. I wish it could have gone longer. I had a lot more that I was curious about. Um, 
but I, you know, it's hard not to get swept up in the positive thinking and and enthusiasm of that guy. You're fortunate to have been able to spend so much of your childhood with him, popping and locking and... Well, you know, I was, we brought it up in the interview, but just that, like, that when MTV became a thing, that was, that's, that was where I watched many of the first videos at his, uh, his, his uh, ancestral homestead in Scappoose, Oregon. <laughs> there was MTV and, you know, it was, I remember that very well. That's where his, you know, he still lives and his, uh, his folks do. And we, uh, it was just cool to kind of reconnect with Bart. And we want to thank him, of course, for coming on and go check out the Hit Machine. You can check it out in the show notes. There's going to be links in there and whatnot. Um, but also if you want to book a, a wedding, you want to book a, a, a bar mitzvah, you want to do, I don't know. A lot of people in Scappoose booking bar mitzvahs. Maybe not, but not as but many. also if you go on his um, his website and check the calendar, I mean, you can pretty much pick a weekend and you'll be able to go somewhere and see Hit Machine. He works, that guy. He does. He is the machine behind the Hit Machine. And also, I will say, Larry Rosen, thanks very much for your interview skills. And Brett Battistain, who is our producer, host. His yeah. network actually hosts us um, here on the the eavesdrop network, E-A-S-E-drop.com, and also uh, Mr. Jared Bostrom, who's our editor and uh, has to do a, a few things to uh, fix up all this kind of yuck that we put out there sometimes. But uh, I will say that it's been really fun to have revisited all this with uh, Bart. And uh, like I said, you'll have all in the show notes, you can find all things Bart Haifman and all things Hit Machine. And what do we keep doing every week? Larry. But before we do that, we want people oh. to our Facebook group page. Oh, yes, we do. Forward. We don't have an Instagram. No, we need one. We, we don't have one. We don't have... We do have an Instagram. We do? Yes, we, we do. Oh, am I? Not knowing... Mackenzie Heilman is behind that, and she uh, is also part of the Story Fort team, which we do have... Uh, hey, that's Story I think, I think you looked this up. It's like a story under slash forward. Uh, do it again. Mm-hmm. Do it right now. This is professional radio, right? Here. It is. Story forward. Story dot forward. Story dot forward. There we go on Instagram. I think, uh, yeah, we want to send you there as well. All right. That's all I got for you. Until next time, what we're going to do is keep the story moving.